welcome into the Sports Buffoons Podcast. and girls welcome back on in once again to a wednesday night showdown here with the sports buffoons based out of lenexa kansas so what is going on fellas what's up got tanner d to my left jg to my right we just got back from our trip from tulsa and oklahoma and oklahoma city Uh, i got to experience that for my first time i was a a little underwhelmed by oklahoma city um just to put that lightly tulsa is still in my opinion one of the most underrated cities in honestly the nation i think it I, I everything. I, I, that's, that's why we go down there once a year every year jason you go down there more than that uh i think it's a fun city i think tulsa is great so with that said you guys i'm glad to be here today to talk some sports once again with y'all because the last two shows you guys did uh, i was I, I i was missing an action yeah um, yeah but first and foremost before we get into that i want to ask you guys your favorite part of the tulsa trip what did you enjoy the most uh, the pool bar. The pool bar is my favorite. Spent four hours, well, I think like four hours at the pool bar Saturday night. So you got yeah. all you got all wrinkly on the fingers <clears throat> and everything, Tanner. It doesn't matter because when I hit the dance floor, it was game over after that. Dance so. floor. I don't even remember you on the dance floor too much, but uh, yeah. I was busy. Was you, you weren't really near me that night. I so. was playing Baccarat. <laughs> so, yeah. what what was your favorite, Jason? Yeah, I would say the uh, the pool bar was a close second, but my favorite part by far was making all that money. You know, <laughs> when you make money at the casino, dude, like you feel like you're on top of the world, like you accomplished something. Yeah, and that we did. So that that was my def- my favorite part. Most of the time, my favorite part of staying at casinos is that you can go down there and pay for your own vacation. Go down there, and pay for your own trip by going down there and destroying them in baccarat or roulette or. You know, whatever it is you're into out there, I'm not going to give away any ideas. Sports betting. Sports betting is a thing, you know. Yeah. Um, just going down there and paying for your own vacation through beating the casino. And that's the best part of the whole thing to me. Uh, I, I enjoyed the breweries. Obviously, went to Rough Tail Brewing Company, which I officially can say is awesome. Uh, I love the environment walking in there. Great IPAs in there. Um, American Solera was wonderful, as always. And Cabin Boys is always a top-notch place because it's a lot of fun. They got ping pong at Cabin Boys, Tanner. You and I always play over there, so there's all kinds of stuff to do out there. Most improved brewery. Oh, beer-wise? I agree. Marshalltown. Oh, Marshall. Marshall. No, 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 no. yeah. Marshall, sorry, Marshall. Marshall Brewery. We hated it originally when we went two or three years ago. Most improved brewery in such a great place they moved into as well. They did a phenomenal job. Right. They might have hired a new brewer or something. I'm not sure. Hey, but it was good. The new time. location's cool. Uh, they have mini putt golf. So putt putt. Putt putt. And as well as what is the other what is the other game uh, called? Uh, uh, the board. It's the it's the it's the board. It's the I cannot think of the word. I can't even think the board of the right with now. the little saucers. All right. Anyways. <laughs> why can we not think of this word? Uh, anyways. Guys, shuffleboard. Shuffleboard. That's the one. That's it. All right. Anyways, you guys, I'm glad we're back. Real um, quick here. <clears throat> Welcome back, Brady Senior, to the starting lineup of the Royals. Oh, there you Just go. Just so man. you guys know, seven innings, nine out. strikeouts, and the guy got a win last night. So he did really well, didn't he? Only allowed one run. Is that right? That's right. Actually, no earned. No, no earned, no earned run. No okay. earned. He needed that because he needed that for the confidence anyway. Because the guy struggled for his first start all year. Yeah. With us, so 
phenomenal. I just wanted to give him a shout out because I was I was happy to see him uh, do really well. Well, the Royals need him because we're desperate. In case you haven't noticed, uh, we sure. we need a guy like that to step up and get into the starting unit and and rescue us because we're going down a dark, deep hole as far as that pitching <laughs> is concerned. Well, we're not talking a lot of Royals today, but. Uh, if you guys want to have a shout out here and there as the rest of the game goes on, go ahead and do that. But today is all about still the NBA playoffs going on right now. Tonight is obviously the Warriors game, and we'll be kind of watching that out of the corner of our eye as we talk here. But uh, we're going to play a little game here later on in the show. It's going to be here coming up in a few minutes. Uh, a little bit of comparison. So we're going to basically taking a player that's been a prominent figure in the NBA the last few years and comparing him to a NFL player career-wise. So we'll, we'll see what kind of comparisons we come up with uh, individually here. But first and foremost, guys, I know you guys want to talk about what happened within the NBA here the last couple days and going forward, going into the weekend. So go ahead, uh, Jason, kick me off here with some of your NBA takes. So Miami in game one beat the Boston Celtics 118 to 107. Uh, Miami was actually favored in the game Correct. to win the game. And I think they would have been favored had Marcus Smart and Al Horford not been out because they had game one at home. But at any rate, they were favored in the game. Boston was favored to win the series. Uh, at one point, Miami was ahead by 20 in this game. It's kind of like Boston had control of the first half, and then after the first half was over, Miami basically had the control of the game from here on out. But no Marcus Smart. He's got a midfoot sprain. And no Al Horford, so he is currently in health and safety protocols. Uh, and they basically, in my opinion, they need both of those guys. A lot of people think, well, you know, if they had Marcus Smart, they might have won that game. Both of those guys play really, really good defense. Now, Al Horford will generally get you more on the offensive side of the ball, but defensively, which is what matters when you get this deep into the playoffs, uh, both of those guys are really good defenders. And so I I didn't really think Boston had a chance in this first game. Now, Al Horford is going to miss the second game as well. But Marcus Smart has said that he is likely going to play in game two. Uh, but Tanner and I, we talked about this series before it started. Tanner thought, as most people thought, that Boston win, would win the series. I was kind of back and forth. I eventually went with Miami and seven as my official prediction because you look at the defensive rating of both these teams, Boston was number one in the league. Miami was number four. Looking at those two defensive units, though, I feel like Boston has really, really good individual defensive players, but I feel like Miami plays better as a defensive unit. I feel like there are a few cracks here and there that you can exploit in that Boston defense, whereas I never really see that Miami defense break down ever. And so I, I give Miami the edge defensively in this series, even when Marcus Smart, Al Horford come back. Um, I also give the edge to Miami as far as coaching. So Eric Spolstra has been there and done that. We give Ime Udoka on the Celtics. We give him a lot of credit. Uh, but I, I he think deserves yep. he deserves a credit, but he's still a first-year coach. And, you know, People think it's a big deal. Oh, my gosh, he beat the Brooklyn Nets. Well, Brooklyn Nets were a dumpster fire. People thought that they were better than they really were. And then with Milwaukee, yeah, mm -hmm. you beat the best player on the planet, Giannis Antetokounmpo, 
but they didn't have their closer. They didn't have their all-star that makes buckets, which is Chris Middleton. And so that's why I ultimately went with Miami as my pick to win the series. But as far as the game itself, Grant Williams that exploded in that last series, he he didn't really do (laughs) shit in this game. Uh, Derek White hasn't really done shit in most of the games. And so the Boston Celtics were really depleted from an offensive standpoint. Um, But you got to give Miami credit in that first game because they really locked them up on defense. And Jimmy Butler, nobody could really stop him. No. And Jimmy Butler, even though he had 41 points, he was doing it on both ends of the court and really kind of dominating this game. And so then you got guys that we've never even heard of. So you got Gabe Vincent and Max Struess, who had 17 and 11 points respectively. These guys are dogs, dude. All these guys are dogs on defense. They're going at them. So that's 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 what I look at in a series like this is defense. We all know that defense wins championships, and I, I like Miami's defense a little bit more than I like Boston's defense. And keep in mind too that Victor Oladipo, yeah. he only played eight regular season games, and now he's still kind of getting ramped up in the playoffs here. I think you're going to see a game in this series where Oladipo kind of gets his legs back underneath him, and we start to see that old Victor Oladipo that we saw a couple of years ago before those injuries started to pile up. So I give Miami the edge. It's not a knee-jerk reaction, you know, because they won the first game. I know that I had picked them before the series started, but I still think this is going long. These two teams are even, and I still have it as a seven-game series. Yeah, Tanner, I just want to say you and I both obviously had our predictions a week ago about where we saw the finals ending up. We both had the Celtics actually in the finals in our hot takes. And so now knowing what we know now with the COVID situation regarding Al Horford and the injury to Marcus Smart, and I'm assuming he'll come back sometime soon, but knowing how this game one has planned out or turned out and going into the rest of the series, is, is your opinion changed on Celtics now maybe not winning this and the Heat end up going to the finals? No, 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 not at all. I still think the Celtics are going to uh, make it to the finals here and still be in contention there. Look, game one, they just got done with the seven-game series with the Milwaukee Bucks, the defending champs. Those guys, you could see already that they were tired going into halftime. And, I mean, when you face a team like Miami and you're already exhausted as it is after a seven-game series, especially with the Bucks here, Miami's going to bring it to you. And if you can't stop them at all, then it's it's over. And obviously, that's what happened in the third quarter there when Jimmy scored 17. So, uh, look, I'm not worried about it. Game one, Miami did exactly what they needed to do. Uh, but as far as where Boston's traje- trajectory is, I feel like they're going to be fine when they come out uh, for game two, game three. And I think they still push the series. So. And then you ever wouldn't be healthy, obviously, and ready to go. Because yeah. if you're missing two key players, then you're probably not going to win no matter who Marcus, you're playing against. Marcus Smart should be back game two. Right. And we right? assume the COVID thing will go away you're, for Al Horford. Al Horford, you'll probably see him game three or game four. So Right. Which he's obviously, even though he's an older player, He's a big he key. He showed up huge in the last had, few weeks had, for this team. He's had some key moments in the Milwaukee series, uh, and that's what he, they're going to need him to do as well in this Miami series. Well, I, I have breaking news for you. I have changed my opinion, Tanner. 
Whoa. That's right. I had my hot take, but that was before I knew new information. The new information, obviously, is some of the missing pieces. To me now, at this point, Miami Heat are the team to beat in this series, and they are the better team going forward. To even if, the even, is it just because Smart and Horford's out, or is it just because Horford's out? Uh, right now, both. Because Smart, but I think, I think, I think this could go to Game Seven. I do oh, agree yeah. with that. I think it's another sure. seven-game series. But here's my deal: I think that they're going to get such an edge. I, I see Miami winning the first two games here, and getting those first two out of the way is going to help them down the road of the series to where all they need a game seven. You know, I, I, I see it going back in their favor once it comes down to the final of this. Okay. Yeah, no, that's fair. Like I said, uh, as well on Monday. And, I and as mad. Jason has pointed out, the Heat have been here before. Yeah. You know, Jimmy Butler has been here before, just two years ago. Yeah. I'm and... not going to be mad about Jimmy B- Jimmy Butler hitting the finals. Well, so. keep, in, keep in mind that he's been here before, but he's got a chip on his shoulder because nobody gives him credit for being here before Correct. because it was in the bubble. Oh, my gosh. Oh, big deal. You made the finals and you were in the bubble. Nobody gives him credit for that. Nobody even remembers that. So he does have a chip on his shoulder. Not that he needs one because we all know Jimmy Butler is a crazed dog. More on that later. But, uh, you know, I, w- I had no idea when I made my pick, no idea that Horford was out. Okay, so I assumed that he was going to be there. I assumed that Smart would be there for the whole series because at the time I made my pick, Marcus yep. Smart was a game-time decision. I assumed that he would play in that game. Yeah. Um, I, I just think there's a bunch of crazed dogs on that Miami roster, no, and they don't care who's playing. They're going to destroy They're it. scary. That Miami roster is scary the way they play. So, Well, let's talk about the games going on right now as we are here live right now. Uh, Golden State obviously facing off right now against Dallas Mavericks. Dallas getting a huge upset over the series, over the Suns. Um, and it all comes down to really one man that controlled the outcome of this whole thing, and that's Luka, Luka Doncic. Why can't I say his name? Luka Legend. Luka, it's easier Luka, to say that. Call him Luka Legend. I, I don't, I'd rather not say his last name because I, I always stumble on that one, but um, it's, it, it, he's, he's a great player, 23 years old. I mean, as much as I don't like his personality on the court, because um, I don't, but I, the guy is a really good player. I mean – freaking nails at times Mm -hmm. and watching him destroy my favorite basketball team the way he did was humbling and same time even though i didn't like him during that series i can sit back and respect him as a player and say wow okay this guy's actually really goddamn good and uh he's gonna be here for a long time guys 23 years old right now and already literally taking over the whole team, putting the team on his back at times, making his shots. The guy throughout that last series was freaking almost perfect in my eyes. Yeah, he what he outdid statistically uh, five of the guys on the Suns. No, he outdid right? the whole team. Like it was amazing. I mean, it it's, was, he played better than Booker. You don't hear about that very Chris often. Paul was god awful. I mean, I could say other words about this, but uh, <laughs> two years in a row now, Chris Paul has completely <laughs> folded in the playoffs. And in, in my opinion, as a Suns fan, I'm about done with that crap because I'm tired of you it. You said two years, but it's been five times for Chris Paul. <laughs> sure, sure. Leading sure. 2-0, and he's folded. He falls apart hard when he falls apart. It falls off quick, too. So, anyways, you guys, uh, here we are. Game currently score is 16-13. 16-13. Golden State has a lead at the moment in uh, the Golden State, San Francisco area. Uh, so, what's your guys' thought on this specific series going on right now? No, this is, uh, we talked about it Monday night, Jason and I, and, you know, I got the, Ma- or not Mavericks, I got the Warriors winning this here. 
Uh, I think it'll be about six game series. Uh, JG, I think this this wasn't the one he reserved. It was the other one. So I think you had the Warriors in five. I took the Warriors in six. 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 All right. Yeah, we both were at six. That's right. But just don't forget, Luca's going to give it to him like he did the Suns here. And he, he loves playing these uh, great teams, these tougher teams. So, I mean, if he can get some support, this could be uh, another long series. Yeah, I mean, the thing about Luca, and the reason why I have this in six um, is because not only do we call him Luca legend, I call him the flopping legend because he's a below average defensive player. But the way that he makes up for that is he draws these ridiculous fouls where he flops like Manu Ginobili used to back in the day. And he just gets these calls. I don't know how, but, um, you know, that's that's the way that I could see Dallas getting that extra game. But, I mean, the thing about the Warriors or the Dubs, whatever you want to call them, is like they're, they're a well-oiled machine. And these guys, you know, when I look at Dallas, they're, they're a pretty good defensive team. I think they were number seven overall in the NBA this year. Mm-hmm. But when you play the Warriors – you have to chase these guys around. You have to chase around Steph, Clay, Jordan Poole, Andrew Wiggins. You chase them around all over the court on defense. And when that happens is you get over to the offensive side of the court, you know, all of a sudden guys like Spencer Dinwiddie, Jalen Brunson, they're not going to be hitting shots at the same rate that they normally would because they're expending so much energy on the defensive side of the court by chasing around all these Warriors players that are making cuts, jacking up threes from 40 feet. They spread the floor. You got to chase these guys around. I just don't think you're going to see any kind of consistency from guys like Jalen Brunson, uh, Dorian Finney-Smith, Spencer Dinwiddie. Yeah, they're, they're going to get hot for a couple of games, but you're not going to be able to depend on those guys in the same way that you could against Phoenix because what did Phoenix do? Well, all you got to do is stop Devin Booker because yep. Chris Paul's 37 years old. So, yeah, Chris Paul gets you a game or two, but he's 37. You know, his dick is about to fall off because he's old. And so it's not as much work on the defensive side of the floor as far as Dallas is concerned when you're facing the Suns versus the Warriors. And so that's kind of how I see this series is like Golden State's a well-oiled machine. Jordan Poole, as I stated in an earlier podcast, didn't do a whole lot in that last series because he didn't have to. He really didn't. And if you see even one or two Jordan Poole games in this series, man, this thing's going to be a wrap. Yeah, I think that one thing I want to point out, though, that Dallas is one of those try-hard teams. That's a team that does hustle. They hustled better than the the Suns did during that series. And although Gordon State is a very fast-paced team, Dallas is also very similar, just not quite as talented. I mean, they have they have one true star running the show for that team right now. I think now. they're missing the weapons. That's and what it is. They need a couple, maybe one more guy really on that team. Otherwise, you have a bunch of tryhards, which is not a bad thing. I mean, you have guys that are putting in 100% effort, I feel like, the, in the entire game. And that's why that they beat the Suns, and that's why they're here now against Golden State. And they're going to do their best to put up a fight there in that situation. Um, I think it's they're ultimately not going to come out with a victory of the series. Uh, just because Golden State is much more primed for, you know, finals type of a business because they're just a better team. Right, and I think also you got to look the look at the coaching situation. I mean, Jason Kidd, when he first started out in the league, not a very good coach. 
but he's gradually got better and better all along the way. Yep. And while I do view him as a really, really good coach, excellent motivator, um, he, he doesn't hold a candle right now to Steve Kerr. I mean, Steve Kerr no. has got, you know, a thousand championships there's, there's not between a lot of player guys and that coach. So. At the moment. Yeah, so I think you look at the coaching advantage, and as you, as you said, Mike and Tanner, like there's just not enough weapons on the other side. So, I mean, if the refs... We all like to talk about the refs. If they if they want to push this thing out to six games, they could probably do it. Which, by the way, is why I picked it in six games. Because if this was called fairly, this is probably either a sweep or a gentleman's sweep. Yeah, sounds fair. All right. So we don't need to be, make predictions at the moment or anything like that. So, um, but I think we're all kind of feeling Golden State is probably going to be, have the outcome of this. So the upper hand. The upper hand in this whole situation. But yep. uh, I have to ask you guys a question, and those of you listening currently, thank you so much for waiting for our thumbnail we put out there. If you know the reference, comment down below and tell me your favorite scene in Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, because that is my favorite movie of all time, and I uh, absolutely love everything about Jim Carrey as well. So I think he's a very cool guy. But with all that said, I want to play a game. And let's, take, let's make this game right now. <laughs> Let's make this game right now. The NBA NFL comparison game where I'm going to list off a player and I want you guys to give me his best NFL comparison in return with uh, maybe, you know, if you, if you guys want to elaborate a little bit, that would be nice. But, you know, let's let's go over a few guys here. A few of the big names that have been in the playoffs this postseason in the NBA. I'm going to start it off strong right now with the guy that's on the court at the moment. Steph Curry is my first guy. Who's this comparison for the NFL? Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill. Okay, explain more. Okay, so Tyreek and Steph kind of play the same way. They're always running around the, essentially the court or the field. Mm-hmm. They're very fast and they're very misdirection. On a little misdirection, maybe because yep. he, they're both quick, undersized, and the, yeah, they get used fast. for you know. And the, Steph likes to control the ball and everything. Tyreek gets up there and he can jump too. We've seen him with the Chargers game a few times. I uh, get up there, and I think Tyreek and Steph kind of similar. Uh, I don't know how to summarize, but they're a good comparison. I think on like captain as well. Tyreek's a good captain as well for the Chiefs that he was. So I don't know. I just think Tyreek Hill sounds like my Steph, like Steph Curry to me with the speed and as much as they run around and the ability to execute in the end. You know, Tyreek's left-handed, so I don't know if that's going to work I'm out. Not, we're not looking at that. <laughs> Come on, look. Now. I went down and all the, broke down all the biographies, all of the scouting reports, and p- pieced them all together, and I found my perfect That match. guy's not 5'9". That's 6'1". You can't do that. Well, undersized, obviously, <laughs> is a thing. But uh, I'll, I'll tell you my guy real quick, and then Jason will let you go. For Steph Curry, my best comparison, you saw the thumbnail, is Russell Wilson indeed. Let's go ahead and get that one out of there. Reason being, yes, he's undersized. Both have won at least one title now in their respective leagues and have been to multiple as well. Uh, Wilson is one of the best deep ball throwers in the NFL and has been since he stepped in, and Steph is one of the best three-ball shooters in the NBA. So both of those guys are great from the long shot. Both are mobile, quick, agile players, and guys who have are, are truly successful within their sport. And well, you know, when Russell Wilson retires, we're always going to remember the rainbows he would throw. Oh, yeah. As a passer. Yep. Deep downfield, 50-yard rainbows, where the ball starts off like this trajectory, 
And by the time it hits a receiver's hands, it's literally pointing like this, perfectly shaped right into the cup of your hands. And it reminds me a lot of Steph Curry and the arc of the ball he has when he's shooting threes. So that's my guy. I don't know if I, I don't know if it's because we're a Chiefs show, but the first guy that came to my mind was the old kick returner for the Chiefs, Dante Hall, and because they, it's because they called him the human joystick. And when I watch Steph Curry, it's like he'll just sit there and run around in circles. Yeah. He'll run off screens. I mean, he's got the ball in his hands, and he'll just run circles around people. And you know, he'll put up a floater. He'll go to the step back. He'll blow by you and throw it high off the glass for a ridiculous layup that hits the top of the backboard. Uh, But I view him as kind of like a human joystick. But what they have in common is, like, they will score. Like, Dante Hall, like, you were always fearful of him that he would score. Yeah. If if he caught the ball, you know, as a kick returner. And that's kind of how I view Steph Curry. Kind of with your your point about about misdirection is – you know, this guy is going to wait to see what you do, and then he's going to, like, make a move on you yeah. and this, to score the ball. And there was multiple games as well. Golden State used Steph as essentially a distraction at, that he got put in input. He didn't do much, but he was a distraction and a threat. That's a good so, point, Tanner. Tyree Kill is known for that as well. Right. So those, those, those of us who have been following the Chiefs now for over 20 years, Dante Hall was a lot of times used on the offense as purely a distraction because he yep. was someone you had to account for. He was not always a big part of the actual offense because back then the Chiefs had Eddie Kennison and Johnny Morton running the show as far as out wide a receiver. Dante would come in, and Mark Burbrichter, by the way, too. Dante would come in, and when he came into that offense, he was a guy that you as a defense had to be like, okay, that guy's on the field again. We got to make sure we watch where the hell he goes because, <laughs> you know, he, it is true. If he got the ball in his hands, he could be gone. And so that was always a, a true thing. And as far as the uh, the decoy mm-hmm. kind of aspect, we're like with Tyree Kill, Tyree Kill was the true number one of the Chiefs of the Chief. for many years. So, anyways, uh, yeah, fun little comparison there on that one. Uh, next one here on my list because we have five total, you guys. Next one, we have Luca. Uh, what was the look of the what look of the legend look of the legend look of the legend look of the legend and tanner go ahead start me off with your comparison to the nfl aaron Rodgers, another legend i hate that i hate <laughs> what are you, okay you have a lot of explaining to do is that really your pick yeah aaron Rodgers. good lord okay why not why is wrong with that player you comparison? gotta explain to me aaron how does that make sense they're both on a franchise that isn't going to give you the support that you need Luca's not going to go very far here sitting in against Look, Golden State. If I got Luca, and if I'm Dallas, I'll, I'll make it work. Luca also uh, lost last year, I believe, not quite the conference finals, but the second round last year after upsetting. He's not going to get the support he needs. They traded off Christian Porzingis uh, over, during the season, uh, which is probably in the, the better for the uh, Mavericks, but still, they're not going to get any support. And you got Aaron Rodgers over there who can carry his team the entire time, just like Luca does. Can make him a threat, but you're not going to get a final, and you're not going to you're you're going to win one, maybe win one title. So for me, Aaron Rodgers, Luca just kind of sound the same, where they carry their teams, and they don't get a lot of help from ownership. All right, well, I don't. And they're to, dominant. By I don't the way. have to like it, but whatever, Tanner, it's fine. I love it. Let's see if Luca chokes in the playoffs like Aaron normally does. Well, it is the San Francisco team. Because so, so far, Luca's <laughs> done better in the postseason than Aaron has lately. So. Yeah. Well, it is a San Francisco team, so if they lose, that's another comparison to it. 
my comparison for Luca is Joe Burrow, as a matter of fact. I hate this the reason, one. The reason, why, the reason why I say Joe Burrow, they're both a tad bit cocky, a little full of themselves at times, both super talented players, but they have the ability to back it up. They're both young, which is also something that I wanted to make a make sense in the comparison, Tanner, for a minute here. And they're going to be around for a long time. Without a doubt, they are the leader of their team. And as they go is how the team goes. So for me, if, if you don't have a Joe Burrow, then that Bengals team is not going to go to the Super Bowl like they did this past season. Without a Luka, this Dallas team wouldn't probably even be in the playoffs. Um, so I, I see it that way. I think that Burrow and Luka, both young guys who will potentially win a ring at some point in their career. It's possible. Um, so I just see them similar personalities, similar situations, young, taking over leadership of a team. So that's my guy. You know, if you listen to the major sports networks today, which I basically do every day, it was all about Luca and what, what does he need to do to be the best player in the league? And some people think that if he wins a championship this year, that he will be the best player in the league. Well, I think he's got a, a little bit, a little way to go on that, but he definitely has aspirations of be, being the best player in the league, or maybe even the GOAT. So my comparison is Tom Brady, who is the GOAT of the NFL. And the reason I compare him to Tom Brady is because I've heard that Luka has a way of getting under the skin of other players, and I've heard that he's also an amazing trash talker like the other guy that he was compared to from back in the day, the other Larry legend, Larry Bird. Larry Bird was also a great trash talker. And so he's an amazing player, aspirations of being the GOAT, trash talk you, piss you off, like Tom Brady. So that's my comparison. Okay. So a lot of what you're comparing about him is more of the actions on the field, the mentality. And I think when Tom Brady trash talks, he does it in a very uh, subliminal way at times, but also just kind of in a way that's it's not super obvious all the time. He, I think he does it in a way of his own to where it's not just super yeah, that's fair. out there. So not like when not like when it was Tyron Matthew. That was kind of out there. Like he was out in the open. Sure, sure. That was Yeah, that was out in the open, I would say. Uh, we, we've seen, obviously, Brady getting into it a few guys here and there every once in a while, but like I feel like he picks and chooses when he trash talks, and he's kind of smart about it. I think it. he does it more now in the Bucks now, but when he was with Belichick, he wasn't allowed to do that. He had to hide it a little bit more. Yeah, him, him and Chris Jones had a nice little talk one time. That was a funny little experience. <laughs> uh, uh, Tanner, uh, next guy on my list here, I'm going to talk about Jimmy Butler, one of your favorite players. So go ahead with your NFL comparison. You know, the longer I sit on this, the longer I hate this pick, but I think I'm still going to do it just because – I feel like there's so many other players you can compare to Jimmy Butler. But I'm going to go with Derrick Henry, a force of nature, a guy that's not afraid to go at you. Um, he's not massive in size by any means. Jimmy Jimmy B is, I mean, actually fairly big on a small forward stage. I mean, 6'7", 230. But yeah, but he's ready. He's going to attack you. He's going to get to the bucket. Um, I don't know. I think it's just the force, his mentality, and a guy that – what I think about Jimmy Butler is a guy that's going to go down your throat. Is also Derrick Henry who's going to go down your throat. So okay, I'm going Keen Henry as my comparison to Jimmy B. I got to see a little bit of that. I'm going to go. I, so a lot of my players here on my list match up very closely in age. 
So I do want to make that something that's known here. You went like really um, like age, depth, and everything. right, right. So everything yeah. about the way this player is gone. So for me, Jimmy Butler, the guy he reminds me the most about right now is Julio Jones. And the reason I say Julio Jones is that they're both supremely talented players who seem to have had a case of the little injury bugs here and there throughout their career, and it's it's minor things. You know, most of Julio's injuries have been little things where he lives his life on the question board. He's questionable every single week, but here's the thing. He's still going to show up and play, and Julio's done that throughout the rest of all of his career. Jimmy Butler's done the same. Jimmy Butler is always on the report all the damn time, but he still will dominate games. They're both well-rounded players, and both have been to a championship, but neither have yet won one. Correct. So, in my eyes, I see both of these guys, which, by the way, same age. I think all my guys are about the same age, but I think I see these two guys as the elite of their respective position at times. You know, Julio, especially in his prime, was the best receiver in football, and right next to, like, Antonio Brown for that time period. Um, or Jimmy Butler, now he's starting to get a little older, but still has a lot of drive to him, of course. But the way he plays the game, he can take over games the same way Julio Jones did at, at one point in his career. So I'm not saying, I'm not saying comparatively right now, because Butler is ahead of Julio. Well, Julio plays a contact sport and, you know, your body's right. going to break down faster. I'm talking about Julio as a body of a career and especially in the prime. That's who he reminds me of. So go ahead, Jason. I've got players from all over the place, a bunch of different eras. And like I said earlier, when I think about Jimmy Butler, I talked about earlier, Butler and the Miami Heat, they play like a bunch of crazed dogs. And when I first thought about that phrase, obviously the first player, NFL player that came to my mind was Lawrence Taylor, who many, you know, feel that he's the GOAT. Like whether you think about it offensively or defensively, they think he's probably one of the the greatest players of all time. And, you know, he always played under control, like Jimmy Butler. Nobody could ever get under his skin he would be the guy getting under other people's skin. And Jimmy Butler does play like a crazed dog under control, but he plays for blood. And so I feel like that that was my biggest comparison because he's the guy that is the most feared. Like if we're just talking about the final four right now in the NBA finals or the NBA final four, whatever you want to call it, conference finals, I, I think Jimmy Butler is the most feared and that's how Lawrence Taylor was back in the day. You did not want to play against that guy. So you went way more towards the mentality of player. Exactly. And so you, it's kind of funny. Whenever we thought about this whole segment, we wanted to put together just comparison of how it works. Yeah. I'm, I'm over here like comparing styles of play and history of career. You're comparing mentality uh, of, the, of each player I've noticed I picked up on already. And Tanner, you're comparing physicality to yeah, some I, guess guys, to I, I just couldn't yeah. do the physicality thing because they're a bunch of skinny guys so, versus a bunch is, of big, big <laughs> husky okay. guys out here. This so. is actually funny. This is interesting. We all have different perspectives. About it's all sport, about so. mentality. The mental side in both sports is is the, the most important part. Well, you're going to like my next one a lot, side. Jason. My next guy on the list, Giannis Antetokounmpo, is my next player on the list. Tanner, go ahead and start us off with your NFL comparison. Best player in the nation, a uh, guy that just won a Super Bowl, and a guy that is feared like Giannis. When you have to play Giannis, you're fearing him. When you have to face this guy, they cringe. Aaron Donald, baby. Yeah. Aaron Donald. So, that's, I mean, do I have to say anything else? Like, do we not? Know? I, I, I get it. You don't know who Aaron Donald is? 
hey, Google him, watch some videos. You'll be, you'll know. You'll know what these, I mean. Both of these guys defensively can take over games, so it makes a lot of sense to me. Donald is someone when you see him line up, you are terrified about what's going to happen to you yes. as, as an offensive lineman because <laughs> you know team, this guy team, is the perfect. It doesn't player. matter. Like, yeah, so uh, I get that. that. That's a good comparison for sure. I mean, that's Giannis in this last playoff series. I mean, he was being double teamed down low, and he was still scoring forty a game. So right. we've seen Aaron Donald get triple teamed, and yeah. <laughs> you know, seriously, it's just it still things, doesn't but, matter. <laughs> but yeah, I, I like that comparison for sure. And he just won a title. Giannis has a title under his belt. Yep. Um, I have one, obviously close to home here. My actual comparison for Giannis, because remember, we all have different perspectives. Now that I picked up on that, my comparison for Giannis is actually Patrick Mahomes. And the reason I say Patrick Mahomes is that both players can take over the game at any moment. And these are a cornerstone type of players that are going to be with their organizations for a long time. Both have a championship and as well as MVP titles in there as well. They both play with humility on the field and on the court, but both are fearless players who care a lot about the game as well. So people, these are people who care about the sport. They've had been successful. Um, They are driven, obviously, um, but also they're humble in the times where it makes sense to be humble for both of these guys. So, um, and I want to put out one more thing. Plus both got knocked out of the playoffs early this year. So there you go. Um, you know, so that, <laughs> anyways, I, I see also in, you know, Giannis is in a lot of ways, the, the biggest name in the NBA right now next to Steph. And uh, I don't know who else would be LeBron. In there. LeBron I guess LeBron, LeBron whatever. Those guys do didn't make the playoffs. Kyrie. Yeah, let me know when uh, Giannis and Patrick Mahomes don't make the playoffs. We'll we'll think about that one day. But um, yeah, anyways, that's my guys. So Jason, go ahead. Giannis. My comparison for Giannis. The first guy that came to my mind was JJ Watt. Yeah. Right. So both of those guys are feared in their respective sports, but they're basically extremely nice people off the field. Kind of yeah. like you know, Giannis is like a teddy bear. You know, right? That's what I was saying about Patrick. God, like, like the humility. These guys, yeah. Just, I mean, on the on the field, on the court, these guys are ruthless. Extreme. You know, they 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 do a lot for the community. You know, God forbid that they say something to offend anyone. They just they're the nicest guys that you'll ever meet off the field. Yep. But when they get on the field or the court, they will fuck you up and like like you won't believe. And so sure. that's that's that was kind of my comparison there. Makes a lot of sense to me for yeah. sure. Um, we got another one here. We got one more on the list, and then we have a little one that uh, Jason doesn't know about. A little bonus one. But next one up, we have John Morant is our next comparison. Who do you got, Tanner? John Morant, still a young guy, still uh, leading his team and can explode at any moment. Uh, also has some injury history. Uh, the guy I think about uh, with John Morant is Kyler Murray. Uh, you know, He's got a pretty decent team, I would say. Uh, but they can't – I mean, they can explode at any moment as well. I mean, fantasy value on the team. But as soon as they get kind of just, you know, knocked up a little bit here, it's it's a rough go, and, it, and they miss key games. So that's kind of what my thought is with the Kyler Murray. Gotcha. So the injury thing is and they're both you, you bring into play here. Small, right. I, I am going to go with Jamar Chase as my pick for John Morant just because of the big play potential from both of these guys. We saw, obviously, Chase had a huge rookie season this past year with the Bengals. Both of these guys are young and both had great seasons last year. Um, The health aspect is something interesting. Chase obviously played, I think, all his games. Um, But I think what I was gearing more towards is the playmaking ability. 
of these two guys, and they're both fast as hell, quick. Um, and Jamar Chase, one of those guys, catch a five-yard pass, take it 55, it doesn't matter. And Jerron Morant is kind of a similar type of a skill set of explosion that yep. I kind of compare to Chase. What do you got, Jason? Yeah, John Morant, the, the thing I hear the most about him is like, oh, my gosh, you know, what's he going to be able to accomplish throughout his career? He's such a small player, right? He's only six foot three. What are you going to do at six foot three in the NBA? You know, he's not going to be Jordan. Jordan was six six. Um, so I just thought of the best small player in the history of the NFL, five foot eight Barry Sanders. Small player, not necessarily a guy that's going to bulldoze over you, but he's got all the moves and he will run around you. And if he wants to, you know, a la John Morant, get to the rim and score, he's going to do that because he's just going to blow by you. You know, yep. without very much effort at all. And he's not going to be stopped. And so I, that was my comparison was Barry. Yeah, I like that. Very nice. Tanner, I got one more for you and I at least. I don't know if Jason wants to chime in. He can. But uh, I did want to say Jason Tatum as one of our one of our guys here. Oh, man. Uh, who, who's your guy? So I'm going to change my answer what I've written down. I've written down Lamar Jackson. But I'm changing it to Justin Jefferson. Because this guy, Jason Tatum, is on the rise. Justin Jefferson's on the rise. Uh, those guys, these guys are going to be stars, superstars here soon as well for their respective leagues. They're, I don't know, they, they can just take over. They're quick. Uh, they're just special when they play. So I think Jason Tatum, Justin Jefferson kind of match up there. They're quick and they can take over. Gotcha. My guy, they're, they're both 24 years old, by the way, and are considered all-stars of their respective sports. But you, you might not like this because I know we all understand this player right here is uh, elite. But Justin Herbert is my answer for the Jason Tatum situation here. Okay, Both players are young, upcoming stars on their sport, going to be around for a long-ass time, but still have even more upside to grow within as well. So hmm. um, that's that's my guy. I, I see Tatum being just as big of a name as Justin Herbert in the NFL. Uh, because I, I see, okay. those, look, yeah. when you're six foot eight. You know, Jason Tatum, you can hit threes. You can do it. I mean, he's a guy that's well-rounded as a player. Kind of done it all. He's yeah. well-rounded. He's, he's in a lot of ways. And I, I looked more into this recently. He's better than Devin Booker in a lot of ways. Um, they're very similar players, but there's potential there that Booker doesn't have. And he was a Kobe prodigy, correct? Correct. So yeah, I think there's upside there with Mr. Tatum or Herbert. As well, upside, just because the dude has kind of it all physically and in the intangibles. Well, you guys are going to kill me for this, but I had to think of this off the cuff. Um, the first player that came to mind was Matthew Stafford, because he Jason Tatum is very mechanical in the way he approaches the game. He's got you know really good mechanics and really good fundamentals. But he's also not a player that really gives you that wow factor. Uh, he hasn't really proven a lot. He doesn't have any championships. Matt Stafford finally got one. Um, but he is a guy that strikes me that even though he doesn't have that wow factor, those fundamentals could make him the leader of a championship team one day. And that's kind of how I think about Matt Stafford. So no insults to you Celtics fans out there, but that's that's the first player that came to mind because – you know, he, he's a he's a superstar. Like, there's no doubt he is a superstar player, but 
think he's got a lot to prove. And and Matt Stafford had a lot to prove basically for his whole career until he finally got that first championship. I want to hear, those of you out there listening, I want to hear your input on your comparisons for NBA players. Even if it's someone we didn't mention, go ahead and throw them on the list. I joked around with the guys the other day about Chris Paul uh, and being kind of like a Philip Rivers in my mind where a guy who's, who's good enough to win with but never good enough to actually finish the job. And uh, so these guys on our list, you know, between Steph, Luca, Jimmy Butler, Giannis, Tatum, and John Morant, if you guys have your own comparison, I'd like to hear it as well because uh, I think it's a fun topic. And I think there's always interesting things between sports that we can look at and uh, say, hey, this guy reminds me of this guy, you know, even though, even if it's a cross-sport thing, you know what I mean? Yep. So, um, all right, guys, we got one more thing we need to talk about before we get off the air here, but it is Drew Brees – is he making some news? Put out a little little tweet, I guess, recently. Tanner, do you have that tweet pulled up by chance? I, um, I don't. Oh, I'm curious. I, I can't remember exactly everything is said on there, but basically, the whole gist of it is he's indecisive right now about what he wants to do going forward within his career. And then when I say career, I mean within his announcing career, within his football career, within anything he wants to do here going forward. All right. So the tweet was, despite speculation from media about my future this fall, I'm currently undecided. I may work for NBC. I may play football again. I may focus on business and philanthropy. I can't say that freaking word. You got it. You got it. For the pickleball tour, senior golf tour, coach my kids, or all of the above. I'll let you know. And now it's May 15th. He, qu- he tweeted that. So It sounds like like he just doesn't know what to do with his life. But, no, <sighs> I, I think in a lot of ways maybe he was joking around about coming back to play in the NFL again because, obviously, the Saints are in position right now with Jameis Winston to where Winston is one of those weird players that I think if he can get his men- mental side really settled in, he can actually be a good quarterback in this I league. I think so, too. And as old as he's getting at this point, I'm not going to totally sell him off as he is what he is. I don't necessarily believe that. I think if you can get him the right coaching, I think Winston's still a guy that can develop into a better quarterback. And I think if you put him with like a great quarterback coach like Andy Reid, you can knock down those turnovers that he has a problem with. And my whole point behind saying that is that, look, if Drew Brees came back, he's gonna, who are you going to play with? You want to the Saints? Because he said, he said it had to be the Saints. No, because here's the deal. Prove to me why you, Drew Brees, would be a better player right now right. than what Jameis Winston can do for the Saints. Because your ass can't throw past 15 yards. So, so let me uh, let me give you more on that. Uh, Drew Brees recently also just had shoulder surgery, so that would kind of complicate his potential of returning as well. Um, he'd be out at least until October, is what everybody's saying. So. You'd be waiting for a team essentially to, after all the injuries start happening, to fill in. But that wouldn't be the Saints. There's no way. Well, I mean, Jameis Winston. I mean, he could. You know, it's he's been known to be a guy that gets injured from time to time. But I, I think it, it it reminds me of like the Philip Rivers situation from last year, where he was just kind of on the sidelines waiting to see if there would be a contender that would be in need of, of a good right. quarterback last year. That That's the only situation where I could see where he could play this year. But the but, Saints would just roll Taysom Hill. So 
if Winston's injured, they right. Taysom Hill. Right, but I'm just saying if he if he had shoulder surgery and he thinks that his throwing could improve well, well, after the surgery, cl- then maybe he could come back. It was left shoulder. I just saw here. Oh, left, left shoder. Oh, not so throwing. That still puts him unable to play till October. Yeah, I'm so, going with uh, I'm going with the USFL here because he's, <laughs> you know. Hey, by, by the way, true, if he just, was to play football again because he the guy has enough money. Let's be real. Yeah. Drew Brees has tons of money. It's fine. He's good off. Um, so if he wants to really just play football again, you're right. USFL is an option. There you go. I just want to sure say. They would take you. I just, I just want to say I thought he did very well on NBC. And if yeah. he wants to stick with that, you know, so good luck to him because I think he he did very well. I wanted to stay on NBC. So you NBC know, as far as it, is I'm, actually NBC and Breeze are splitting. So there's no more Breeze on uh, NBC. Okay. So he got fired. So. Uh, well, supposedly it was mutual <laughs> in a way, but pretty much he I can't. But you know, somebody else would hire him. Oh, so my my point him. is, is like he looks like he could have a future there. But as far as an NFL player is concerned, you know, with all due respect, and we all know what comes after I say that he is an old bum. His arm is completely broken, and it, it's the USFL or the CFL, dude. If you want to keep playing. Go do it, but yeah, I don't want to see you in the NFL because I don't want to see you get injured again. I don't want to see you know your legacy ruined. I do have a question for you guys, a little bit off topic, but regarding announcing, how do you guys feel about knowing that Tom Brady has, in fact, plans to being in the booth during games coming up after his retirement? I mean, how uh, upset are you if you're Tony Romo? That's what I want to know. Explain more. Go ahead, Tanner. So, Go ahead. What, so what Tony Romo is your quarterback, retired quarterback that came in and broadcast and blew open the doors, right? Blew open the windows with his, you know, intellect and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And now you're gonna have Tom Brady, who sits there and does that anyways on podcasts and the different stuff he's done through the last couple of years. And this guy's gonna be uh, would have played for what are we going on? Twenty three, twenty four. Uh, we're about to lose track because he's about forty five years old. Too, not enough hands or not enough fingers. So uh, this guy's going to come in, and everybody loves him. He's already a big, essentially, social media person. Right. He's on commercials and everything, uh, and he still does a lot of podcasts that I've listened to as well for him being in there. So he's he's pretty much set. And, right. I mean, if you're Tony Romo, you might be kind of upset because that might be some money that you're, you're losing now. Well, Romo's not going anywhere. Contracts. I mean, Romo, no. Romo is still going to be doing what he's doing. He's he's good at what he I does. I mean, you're going to be looking. I would, I'd be cool. But, How cool would it be to have a Tom Brady, Tony Romo? So who's who's Tony Romo's new partner going to be? I mean, That's my main question right now because if you could have a partner with Tony Romo who also has that same charisma – you know, during games, who who would you want to choose from that li- from that list of potential candidates? Because for me, like uh, Tom Brady, whenever you, I don't care what game's going on, if Tom Brady's announcing the game, I'm gonna tune into it because mm-hmm. I like him and I like some of his intellect when it comes to the games. Now, if it's Peyton Manning, I don't give a damn. That guy sucks. No, no, no. Peyton and Eli will be fine. <laughs> they're they're gonna sit there on their those own. guys are boring. Uh, uh, Tom McCarthy is, by the way, uh, the voice of the Phillies. Uh, or yeah, voice of the game who calls Phillies on CBS. He's going to be partners with Romo. Uh, but I think Tom Brady. What if what if he just goes out and recruits uh, Rob Gronkowski as his partner on the well, booth? You would have like a very John Madden esque type of an announcer in Rob Gronkowski because you know Madden didn't have a lot of big words. See what he you would do. use. He would Catch just go. Ball. Rob would go. 
and you go yeah, first. He's, he's going to line up over here, and he's going to go boom, and then he's going to give a little like jiggy jiggy up here, and he's going to give a oh guy grabs the ball, get a run and put her shoulder down and boom. And because he crossed so the line, he's going to use first down. He's going to use more buzzwords than anything. It's going to be Gronk is going to be John Madden two point when it how, comes to announcing. How about future wise? We look at maybe Travis hopping in the booth after a few few more years here. Well, here's the thing about Tom Brady, guys. There's there's a reason why he signed that deal. And I, a lot of people are asking out there, well, what if he sucks? You know, what if they fire his ass? I'm pretty sure that, you know, he, he put some material out there and people can clearly see that he's going to be effective at his job. Now, it's a ridiculous amount of money that he got. Oh, but I, I, I compare it to kind of like the Draymond Green deal that he got with TNT. Draymond Green signed a deal with TNT while he's an active player. And so Tom Brady, this deal is for after he hangs it up as an NFL player. But Draymond Green has already proven himself as a podcaster. And, and I think that Tom Brady's kind of moving in that same direction where they're kind of, they're planning their career, at, you know, after their playing career is done, kind of like Draymond Green. They, they've got plans for the future, and they I think it's already kind of set in stone that they're it's, very good at what they do. It is exciting, though, to know what we expect for Brady to do when he's done playing because, obviously, as a player, he's, he's fun to watch because he's so cerebral. Where, like, now, whenever Brady retires, it's not going to be as much of a sad thing because you know you're still going to get a piece of Brady in your football life even for the next potentially 10 years, yep. which I know some people are going to hate that, but others who just – literally love the sport and appreciate greatness, whether you hate him or love him. Uh, I think you can appreciate the fact that the best player in the history of the game is going to still be involved in the game when it's all said and done on the playing field. And he's still going to be very effective at building his brand. I mean, mm -hmm. like now that he's signed this deal, I mean, he's going to be calling, you know, and analyzing all these NFL games. I mean, Meanwhile, he's going to still do be doing the the Hertz commercials and making money doing that. So go. he's going to be the face of the league. Subway. He doesn't even eat bread. He's going to be you the know? face of the league after he's <laughs> long gone, which is that's that's amazing to right. be able to say that. And the deal, by the way, it's Fox, and they're paying three hundred seventy-five mil, that's essentially great. for Tom ten Brady, years. For ten years, you know that's almost a Patrick Mahomes deal. Well, he's going to be making more <laughs> than a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL. Oh yeah, yeah. you understand? You understand? Brady is a, a billionaire. I mean, if he if he doesn't have a billion, he's well on his way to being a billionaire. But now, is I, that, have, I think he's at least close. Now, is that guess. his money or is that his wife's money? Because sometimes it gets well, combined. Up. He does make more than I know. Contrary to belief, some Do people it. say the opposite. But yes, he does make more money than his wife. Um, but she also makes a ton of money as well. Just so. makes me wonder if they have a joint checking account or they keep that shit separate. You know. Hell, when you make that much, who cares? Who cares? Just, just so, throw it do in whatever. Throw so, in the I, would, I would do a joint <laughs> in that case. If you want a current net worth for Tom Brady, Tom Brady's personal net worth is estimated to be two fifty mil, um, and then uh, Giselle' net worth uh, it's actually four hundred million. So they're combined. They're I, still not at a billion. So they've got some work to do, which is why he signed this new deal. I don't. I don't believe necessarily in net worth numbers, but. Just Whatever. throwing it out there. That's fine. Yeah. That's fine. All but, right, guys. Well, any more Drew Brees takes? No, I was going to say, we saw Drew Brees is not coming back. No. Essentially. He's not playing in the NFL He's anymore. broken. If he wants to play football again, he can go to the USL, USFL, not make shit, and be happy just 
throwing five yard passes to a bunch of bums. He might be throwing passes to Henry Ruggs next year if he comes back to the well, USFL. In my opinion, Henry Ruggs should just be in jail. In jail Prison. forever. I, I was going to say something worse, but I, people would take it the wrong way. Not, not. <laughs> How funny would that be if you had Drew Brees and Henry Ruggs and Pac-Man Jones all in the US, uh, same USFL well, team at the same time? Put, they should put, all just go to the strip club at the same time. <laughs> put them started, too. Put them all in the same jail cell. Keep them going there together. All right, guys. Any final oh, thoughts wow. here uh, before we get off the air here? Nah, I got nothing. Final thought. Uh, my final thought is the Chiefs' first four weeks of the schedule are going to be tough. Um, it's going to be a very battle-tested team. But the good news is the last four weeks of the schedule are going to be a cakewalk. So if the Chiefs start off rough, no worries. Nothing to be concerned about. Expect to the end of the season, the Chiefs to get hot at the right time, get their mojo going, and things are going to be looking up at that point. But and- this is not an easy schedule. It's a tough schedule for sure. And that wide receiver room might be a little bit better than you think. I think For so. sure. Uh, we had a comment real quick here. Illudian from Twitch uh, says the goat can go F himself. LOLs. 375 mil. <laughs> no, right. that's fair. That's, hey. that's a very fair opinion. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> I don't think hey, he, I don't some, think some of that comment. No, no, no problem with you, man. But some of it comes from jealousy. And oh, I understand no, that yeah. because, yes, I would love to have literally – uh, one three hundred seventy fifth of that deal because that would be one million. But <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's a little bit of a jealousy there. But hey, the guy the guy is good, and I respect him for the fact that he has been the best damn thing that the football world has ever seen since it was created back at from the guy named Walter Camp in the eighteen hundreds. I'm pretty sure one hundred percent. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure that he does not need to go f himself because the last time I checked. His wife doesn't look too bad, so I don't think he has to F himself. Well, I guess he could probably do both at the same time. If you I right. guess you could if you're, might into, be if you're into that sort of thing. He might be into that. He might be F himself and his wife at the same time. The next so. OnlyFans. <laughs> oh, you see it. Tom Brady. If Tom, Tom Brady, Brady, just if Tom Brady had OnlyFans. OnlyFans. All right, we need to go off the air. Oh, uh, did, you, did you hear what? Carmen Electra is now on OnlyFans? I'll, I'll pass. I just I I'll just saw that. Uh, if, if you had said that to me 20 years ago. Oh, no. Everybody's blowing it up. <laughs> and then maybe. So. Oh, I know. I just figured out the other guy that I want to see on that uh, USFL team with Pac-Man Jones and all those other guys and Drew Brees. Vontez Perfect <laughs> and Henry Ruggs and Drew Brees. Ooh, that's a good one. That's a good foursome right yeah. there, isn't it? They, then they can all really fuck themselves <laughs> together. <laughs> No, I'll, t- I'll take the new Megan. The new Megan Fox is what I'll take. Thanks, Lonian. Appreciate it. I'll take Megan Fox, the the current Megan Fox with Machine Gun Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> That's a thing right now. Oh man! All right, guys, we got to get off here. It's it's an hour. We're an hour in, so uh, we're gonna wrap up here. We'll be back at Mr. Brews next week, right, Tanner? That's right, Mr. Brews Tap House, Overland Park, Kansas. We are there the last Wednesday of every single month. So. Uh, Back there again, talking NBA, talking Come cheese. on out, guys. Yeah. Join us at the bar. Absolutely. You're welcome yeah. to listen we'll to there. us live. We'll be there. Uh, follow, make sure you guys follow us on uh, uh, Twitter. What is it? Twitter, Twitch, YouTube. Uh, we are live every Wednesday on that. And then we're also live Mondays, JG and I here. We do a little NBA show. One day we'll get Mike on, but it's all right. So. I'll be on eventually. We'll get him on. Don't worry. The Suns might be out, but he might hop on still. So, But anyways, guys, everybody have a great day. I'll see y'all on the next one. See you guys.